Hello and welcome to Saskatchewan Matters from Martin Charlton Communications. This is episode 7 of the most influential weekly podcast to come out of the Saskatchewan business community. My name's Dan Gold and on each episode Paul Martin, business commentator and the chair of Martin Charlton Communications, brings us the stories behind the headlines and explains why each story matters to you. Today we're going to be looking at multiple things, including burnout and how we are dealing with this as human beings and and what information there really is out there. Plus, this headline that has been out there everywhere, this great resignation, it's been trending online and it's been on 24-hour news feeds, left, right and centre. In the US alone, April saw more than 4 million people quit their job according to a summary from the Department of Labor. And Microsoft had a survey of more than 30,000 global workers that showed that 41% of workers were considering quitting or changing their professions based around primarily how people felt they were treated. So Paul, welcome back to the podcast. I'm really intrigued to see what your perspective is on this. Well, there's a lot of stuff at play there. And, you know, to your point that um, the Great Resignation, for example, is capturing a lot of headlines and people have tried to rename it a little bit, the Great Shift and all this sort of thing. But and the, the general theme is still there. And and I was just kind of scanning the headlines of major uh, you know, business publications and organizations today. And I was surprised at how many times things came up that were around have second thoughts about quitting your job. Can you make your job work with, uh, you know, what are your goals and can you actually figure out a way to stay where you are and get it done? Another one was uh, the number of CEOs that were saying work from home is not going to work, that we need to have people in the office to collaborate. I mean, there's a theme starting to emerge here and, and we're also kicking around the notion of there was the Eric Church concert on the weekend in uh, at uh, the Sastel place or Sastel Center, and uh, fifteen thousand people or thirteen thousand, whatever it was, showed up, and and so there's a lot of almost, I guess, political headlines this morning of we've got the military coming to help the hospitals, and yet we're having concerts with thirteen thousand people, and is that a contradiction? And and you have to ask yourself, why do we have so many contradictions going on right now? Why why is that kind of thing? And that's ultimately sort of the theme that I want to talk about. And I think burnout is a factor in all of this, that people are simply tired of being locked down and they're resisting. So when the medical community, for example, says stay home because we don't want to spread COVID around and they people end up at the concert anyway, you ask yourself kind of, What's what's this push pull going on? And I think it, burnout's a part of it. People are social creatures; they want to get out and uh, and have some social interaction. And so, you know, they're going to attend these concerts. But it really raises uh, bigger questions across the whole piece. So, uh, and you know, I like to talk about the questions of leadership. And if you're a leader, how are you? How are you trying to reconcile all of this stuff? So you're running an organization or, you know, you're running your household. How are you trying to reconcile all of this? And and it's not very simple stuff. But I think at the end of the day, there's one word that really comes to mind for me, and it's that people are tired. They're just simply tired. They are done being told with 
you know, how, how to conduct yourself, what to wear, when to go, where to go, where you can't go. Uh, how old are you? Do you have a passport? I mean, these, uh, you know, the number of restrictions that we have around it. And it, it's back to something we talked about earlier is that the, the tools that the public sector, that government has to deal with a crisis really relate to restrictions. They put rules around things. They put fences and parameters around it. And people, I think, instinctively pursue the freedoms that are opposed to those kinds of restrictions. And they're, uh, so they look to tear those barriers down, and that's where they count on the private sector to be able to do it. So, you know, on one hand, we got governments saying, restrict, restrict, restrict. You can't go here. Close your business then. And, and then on the flip side, people are saying, give me a vaccine so I can just clear this stuff up. And ironically, uh, you know, you get an 80-20 rule there, right? 80% of the population accepts the vaccine. 20 says, no, I lived through this quite fine. Thank you. Just get out of my hair. And so you're getting another set of push-pull. But I think at the end of the day, people are just tired. And that's why they're so grumpy about this thing. And and I go back to uh, uh, a friend, a uh, guy who's uh, been through the province a couple of times, speaking to my tech groups, uh, guy from Manhattan by the name of Charles R. Scott. And if you're interested, you just Google Charles R. Scott and he'll, his videos will pop up, pop up. He is what uh, you would call an adventurer today. I mean, uh, he makes a living as an adventurer. He grew up, uh, you know, went and got an MBA and then uh, took some time and studied at a Buddhist monastery in Japan for a year. I mean, just not the kind of stuff that, you know, he was regular mainstream. He's really quite a remarkable thinker. And one of the things that came out of that was a opportunity to work on the top floor at Intel for about 15 years. And he was their chief acquisition guy. So if there was a technology emerging somewhere, some small company, his job was to go and buy that technology or license it by the company. And uh, he got tired of that and just decided to do something else. Well, one of the observations that he's come back from, he's now uh, as an adventurer, I guess you could call him an extreme athlete too. He does these crazy, uh, outrageous things, and he writes books about them and does videos, and that's how he makes his living because he sells that stuff. Well, he, he is a big believer in what he calls recovery, and that as you chug along, you've got to actually make time to rest. And even the top athletes will do this. And he, he cites the case of, a, of an Olympian, uh, a, a marathon runner, who at the age of 38, I think won the silver medal in the Olympics, won the gold at the Boston Marathon and the gold at the New York Marathon, which is really quite a remarkable achievement for anyone. But at the pushing the age of 40, uh, this is really something. And, and he recalls one of the interviews where somebody said to this runner, you must have a remarkable training regime. And he came back with, no, I actually have a remarkable resting regime. And his point was, if you just continue to accelerate the amount of work you do every week, every week, every week, eventually you'll get injured and you will not participate in the event. So you won't get a, a time at all. So his argument was, you got to do three weeks, and then one week off and then go back and start a little higher. So it's in, in, you know, there's a big business lesson, a big life lesson for all of us in there. Are you getting some rest? And when you're working from home, it's hard to create that separation between work and the office or the office and home. I mean, uh, and, and so sometimes, you know, there's a reason we have weekends and, and long weekends and some of this stuff. It's really to recharge. And 
the highest performing athletes will tell you it's about rest. Well, if you want to be a high performing person in your everyday life, make sure you've got some, just worked in some time to just be for you to rest and stop being on a hundred percent all the time. And I think now we're starting to talk about the great resignation. I think people are simply tired and they're blaming their job for it, but they're looking for something else. And really probably what they need more than anything is, as they say, a change is as good as a holiday. They're just looking for that break, right? And that's was Charles' point is take a break. So work a break in. And, and maybe in a way that's what we're talking about with the the dichotomy of viewpoints in COVID of people saying you've got to stay home versus those who say, no, I've got to go out, go sit at a concert, which, you know, I mean, there is a contradiction there when you've got the medical capacity being overwhelmed. And on the other side, people still kind of playing with fire by going to a concert and but they took the advice. They said, go get a vaccine. Now you're safe. Well, they did. They took a vaccine. They said, I'm safe. I'm going. Well, the medical community continues to say, you're not safe. And therein lies one of the problems in all of this for the medical community, because for as long as I can really recall in this debate, the medical community has been telling us we're on the verge of collapse. The system is on the verge of collapse. Well, it's been on the verge of collapse for about a year and some, and it hasn't collapsed. And I think the general public just greets that phrase with some skepticism. They say, nah, that's just crying wolf. You've been saying that forever. And somehow the system keeps functioning and, and we're not allowed inside to see. So we don't know. I mean, we really don't. We're, we're getting just ever slight touch of anecdotal information, but nobody's being, no reporters are allowed into the, into the hospitals, for example, to say, look what's going on. We don't get to see any of that. And so people are skeptical. They just say, you've been telling me it's going to collapse, but somehow it hasn't because what does medical system collapse look like? A, we don't know what that looks like. So we don't even know what we're looking for, but B, somehow we just get a new record every day for the number of people in ICU. Well, at some point you say, I don't I'm having a hard time reconciling what you're telling me. And so, uh, you know, boil all that down. There's about five different pots that we've got cooking here and I'm trying to piece them all together. And I keep just come back to that notion of maybe we just need a rest, just a little break, like take a little break and stop yelling. I think we're in a really interesting place. I don't disagree with you when it comes to, the medical profession has certainly been stating their case as to why we should be vaccinated, why we should be living and working in certain ways to to protect the healthcare system. We've certainly had the same thing in the UK. The question would come to it is, do we ever want to see a point where, let's say, the capacity is gone, and then what is next after that? We don't want to get to that stage, so... Yes, we're getting very fatigued with the message that is out there, and we're very, very used to hearing the same thing over and over, and it's become noise, which is really unfortunate because we take the lead. We take our medical lead from people who look out for us, but then systemically we look at it and go, well, it's still there. Yeah, and I think this is, you know, a couple of years from now, it'll be fun to look back and see what the the approval ratings are for uh, you know, doctors were always at the top of the list. They were the most trusted. You'd, they always had high ratings on the trust factor. Journalists, used car salesmen, we were always at the bottom of the pack, but and politicians. I'm wondering if the medical community is going to get bruised on this uh, and that 
that their rating will come down a little bit. And, and uh, you know, you're right. I mean, it, it is one of those things where it just does become noise because we've been told too often it's going to collapse. And maybe once external teams are required where we're shipping people out of the province for medical support, we're bringing in uh, healthcare professionals from the military and whatever, that may be collapse. I don't know. Uh, they need to tell me what that looks like, and maybe it's the choice of words that they use. But, you know, Saskatchewan's certainly not the first province to have exported uh, COVID patients that started, you know, over a year ago. Nobody talked about those provinces' systems collapsing. Uh, so, or I guess they did, but they didn't. You know, the system kept operating. And that's where I get lost in all of this, because frankly, I am not a medical person. I don't know what that terminology they use even means. And I wouldn't know when to say, if I was a leader looking at that and say, you tell me when we've crossed the point where we've tipped and it's collapsed. And, and I don't know that we have that. And so it's very difficult for proper decision making to get made. Interestingly, from a Stanford study, companies with bad environments that doubled down on decisions that didn't support workers, such as in some cases, layoffs, reflected badly on the organization, but the organization was trying to protect itself during a really difficult time. But according to Alison Omens, the chief strategy officer at Just Capital, they measured multiple metrics saying the people who were disgruntled and when people uh, are at that point of going, well, you know, pre-pandemic, I was already unhappy. This is just the thing that's pushed me over the edge with the additional pressure. They they cited its wages, its benefits, its security, its uh, opportunities for, for advancement and safety. Some people, and this is where the difficulty I think is, some people felt safer away from the office working from home. Some people went, Look, my biz, my employer are doing is doing the best for me. I'm going to go there, and I need to be in that environment. And there's this gray area in the middle. So where specifically, and this is where I I come to you, where specifically is leadership in this hybrid model of people that need different things, yet an organization wants to keep it simple in one model? Yeah, well. You know, I think that you're really asking two questions here. And so one of it is, which environment do you prefer to work in? And you may, uh, we had structured the societal norms to be a non-pandemic environment. It was all very open. Now, if we overlay this pandemic, all of a sudden, your preferences and mine become very much accentuated. And so we might have to rethink, I got to work in a business that's more accommodating to this viewpoint rather than that one. That may be what triggered the great resignation as people are just realigning themselves. But you know, if I can just wrap up on the, the notion of the rest thing and the uh, recovery, I mean, the one thing we haven't talked about and who probably most desperately needs the rest and recovery in this is the frontline healthcare worker. They're not getting a break. And, uh, you know, so they, that they're, Vocal is not a surprise. I'm actually, frankly, surprised they're not more vocal. And and I am disappointed with those who decide they should protest them and stuff like stand outside the hospital and yell at them. And I think that's kind of like really missing the point. Uh, but if you subscribe to the theory that the human needs some time off just to recover and to rest, then we are not delivering that to our, or affording that opportunity to our healthcare system. And maybe that's the most significant benefit of all of having the military come in. But 
frankly, they're coming in just for overflow, not for giving anybody a rest. And that might turn out to be the most costly misinvestment of all, is that we didn't provide some relief for those who have been working pretty much steady for 18 months in a crisis-style environment. And, you know, I get why they've been saying, you know, we're in danger, we're in danger, but the danger of this saying we're in danger all the time and the system doesn't collapse is that people start to get jaundiced to your uh, position. And And so ultimately, I guess at the end of the day, we have a little communications lesson here in that uh, be careful what you say and uh, don't always be speculating about what might uh, unless you're pretty sure it's going to happen. I mean, I get you got to warn people and that you have to say, if you do this, this, and this, certain outcomes are going to happen. But be confident that those outcomes will happen if people do this and this and this. I mean, the health system's probably proved that it's remarkably resilient, way stronger than maybe everybody thought, that it's been able to cope with all of this. And ultimately, at some point, it will crash. Uh, what crash looks like, I don't know. Has it already crashed? Perhaps. I don't know, because uh, we don't get to look inside. But I do know that Rest and recovery is an important thing. I know I certainly feel it in my own personal life, and I see it around me, and we're not affording that opportunity for the health system. We can't just say, hey, you guys, just shut her down for a weekend and take some time off. I mean, they can't do it. And so to that end, we should be extending at least a little consideration to them. And and just think about the notion of this rest. I was really taken by the analogy that Charles offered to us when he he, he talked about uh, the Olympic athlete, uh, the the marathon runner, you know, that you need three weeks on, one week off. And just one last closing thought. I, I was, I, we had a tech speaker come in one time and he told us that in 2019, for example, 14 people died on Everest. And uh, of those 14, 13 died coming down. Only one died going up, which says when you're going up, you're in, a, adrenaline's flowing and you're focused on an objective. When you get to that objective, everything comes down. Your your emotional levels, your energy levels, even your uh, uh, acuity comes down. And you're in a much more dangerous spot. And uh, that's where the danger happens is when you've achieved something and now you're just going, you know, you're on your way back down or you've just got your PhD or whatever it is, that that's actually a, a tough time. Uh, people like to pursue goals when you get them. There's a downer that comes with it. And we need to remember to just keep, you know, keep some goals out in front of us. Paul, as ever, thank you very much for the insights on this story. It's a big story. It's multifaceted. It's incredibly important as it affects each and every one of us. And uh, I couldn't be more thankful to those working in the healthcare system for providing the support to us that they do. And let's, uh, let's help them do their job. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Saskatchewan Matters from Martin Charlton Communications. If you are listening to this episode on Apple Podcasts, then please do leave us a five-star review. Saskatchewan Matters is a proud part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network.